Hello, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. We're just days away from the worldwide brotherhood split seven inch release from Gridiron and Despise. And I seriously am so excited. This is something that I didn't know that I needed. I love both of these bands and I'm so stoked on this split and I can't wait for it to be out for everyone to check out. So if you're not following From Within Records on social media, I highly suggest you boot up your Twitter, your Instagram, click that follow button and stay up to date on all the current news. Later this summer, One Scene Unity Comp Volume 2 drops July 24th. And I, I couldn't be more excited. I'm uh, so stoked on all the bands that came together to make this volume happen. So shout out to From Within Records. Shout out to every band on the comp for putting together new songs, exclusive songs for this compilation. And this is something that I think is so cool. And the fact that we are able to get it two years in a row, I, I think it's something special and I, I can't wait. And like I always say, please support From Within Records because they support us. On today's episode, we track down Matt Carl. He sings for Gridiron. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I wanted to have on members of Gridiron and Despise on the lead up to this split because I'm, I'm seriously so stoked on the split and I just wanted to do my part and just have people on to come on and talk about it so we we're able to track down our friend matt carl it was so awesome to finally sit down and be able to talk to him because if i'm being honest most of the time i just pester him in his dms about gridiron merch he was nice enough to give us his time and come on the podcast so i thank him for that i had a lot of fun getting to know him and hearing his story and hearing about gridiron and what they have going on so if you're not familiar by this point, uh, hit pause, go boot up your Spotify, your Instagram, uh, your Bandcamp, and go listen to Gridiron. Come back and then check out the episode. It, it's awesome. It, it was Like I said, it was fun talking to Matt, and I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. So strap in, and without further ado, welcome Matt Carl to the show. Welcome back to the podcast, Matt. How's it going? Good, man. How are you, dude? I'm I'm doing good. I'm stoked that you're here doing the podcast. I I, I appreciate you taking the time to do the podcast. So thank you. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Um, so for uh, people out there that uh, may not be familiar, you uh, sing for a band called Gridiron. Yep. And uh, can you talk about? Uh, uh, your upbringing and we'll kind of uh, gradually build to the point where we get gridiron. Yeah. So, um, I'm from a pretty small town in Pennsylvania called Boyer town. And, um, you know, obviously going to school there and stuff like that. Um, hardcore wasn't really, you know, a staple in Boyer town, but, uh, throughout high school, I ended up meeting a couple people who were, uh, into hardcore 
and uh, kind of became friends with them. And then we started going to shows together and stuff like that. And um, so basically like Marty from Agitator and Andrew from uh, Payback and Agitator, uh, we all went to high school together and uh, Andrew and I graduated together and then Marty graduated a uh, year before us. So uh, we all kind of became friends um, through hardcore and, you know, started traveling the shows together and stuff like that. So that's kind of how it all started. And then uh, I ended up singing for my first band, which was Rock Bottom in like 2010 and did that for about a little over a year. And then um, did a couple of projects after, after that. Uh, nothing really ever, you know, took off or anything like that. You know, started band play a couple shows here and there, and then we're kind of just lose steam. But um, throughout this whole COVID thing, I uh, had a lot of extra time on my hands and, um, you know, started playing a lot of like Call of Duty and stuff on the computer with a couple friends and uh, Will from NeverEnding Game. I played with him a lot. And uh, we kind of just threw around the idea of just like, writing music to kind of get ourselves off the computer for a little bit. And uh, he ended up writing the Gridiron EP. And then uh, I asked a couple friends around here if they wanted to play other instruments like Jake from Payback and Tyler from Year of the Knife uh, to play drums. And they were all down. So uh, we ended up recording the four song EP and that's kind of how it started. Yeah, that's that's wild. And uh, shout out to Andrew, uh, former guest of the podcast. Uh, w- when I think of uh, Boyer Town, like you two come to mind because I'm uh, the like I wasn't familiar with it until I started talking to Andrew, and I thought it was uh, you know cool that he's, you know he's repping his city, and then I, I find out um, you're from there. So uh, you know, shout out to Boyer Town. Shout out to Andrew. Um, love him. He's he's a great dude. Yeah, he's yeah, he's the man. He's been, you know, my best friend for, you know, well over a decade at this point. And us two together probably make up like one tenth of the population of Boyertown. So we do what we do what we can to keep it on the map. Hell yeah, I know that respect because uh, you know you, you got to rep where you're from because uh, not everybody can be from like a major city or uh, you know somewhere that's like you know recognized worldwide. So I, I always just say rep where you're from. That's that, that's super awesome. Yeah, we, we try to put on for, for our city. I mean, we're like, uh, you know, 45 minutes outside of Philly. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not too far away, but it's crazy. Like the difference between Philadelphia and Boyertown, you would, fe- you would feel like you're like 5,000 miles away. So you briefly mentioned uh, you had like a couple other projects that uh, got started, but then would lose steam. Uh, when you were presented with the idea of gridiron, did you ever um, have any like, uh, or were you like, apprehensive at all? Um, since the other stuff didn't really um, get too far. No, like the other stuff was not necessarily like not the type of band. Like I've always had in my head like the type of hardcore band that I wanted to be in, and gridiron is definitely like the first band that kind of like captures exactly what i was hoping to be able to do in a hardcore band so like when we were all on the same page as far as like what the band was going to sound like i was like extremely psyched because it's finally like exactly what i wanted to do mm-hmm. and uh, and how did uh will uh describe it to you before he actually started the writing process 
Um, basically, it was like we want to start a band that sounds like Morbid Angel, but with like baggy jean shorts. So that's kind of what we were trying to go for. And, uh, you know, obviously there's, you know, a lot of PA hardcore influence like Crutch and No Retreat and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, I always I've always been into hip hop a lot. Um, ever since I was like really, really young, I had two older brothers who were really into hip hop. So they always would let me like, you know, I remember borrowing like the Wu-Tang Forever CD and stuff like that. So I got exposed to hip hop at like a very, very young age. So I think once I discovered hardcore, like the kind of hardcore that I gravitated to was like hip hop influenced hardcore, like, you know, obviously E-Town and Downset and stuff like that. So I definitely wanted to incorporate like some hip hop vibes into gridiron. Okay. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. Uh it, it it's it's cool that you uh, were able to uh you know have older brothers to you know, kind of um, influence you with stuff that they were listening to cuz um when I was younger, I I just had TV, so I was kind of all, all over the place and I, I wasn't really sure what I liked when I was younger. I would just watch whatever was on TV and just think that okay, cool, I think I like music. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely cool because um, one of my really good friends uh, growing up in elementary school also had an older brother that was friends with my older brothers. So they would always like take us to the mall and like buy us like parental advisory CDs because, you know, obviously our parents wouldn't let us have them that young and stuff like that. So I remember like going to the CD store. I'm like aging myself, going to FYE or the wall and um, just like browsing the rap. CDs and finding one with like the parental advice where it's not printed on the CD cover. It was just a sticker. And I would like walk around the store and peel the sticker off before I went and like checked it out at the register. So it was definitely cool having them kind of like, you know, show me the ropes as far as that stuff goes. Yeah, no, that, that that's super sick. And, uh, you know, I, I always think uh, CDs, uh, it's, it's like an interesting format because you, you got to think after uh, tapes. Uh, well, there was like you know make mini discs. There's like in you know, a weird period of like that that weird format. But um, CDs came and um, I, I thought I'm like, oh cool, this is like so futuristic. Like how can all this information fit on this one disc? And right. but but then I, I felt like it, it didn't really have like uh, like that long of a life because you know you, you got to think then like you know computers started getting like way more advanced and uh, like uh like hard drives started getting smaller so like everything just started going like way more digital uh which which i prefer by the way but i i think it's uh, pretty interesting that um you know like tapes and vinyl are still like super popular and i i, I know a lot of people who have these like crazy tape and like vinyl collections but i, I only know like a few people who are like really into cds yeah cds are definitely like especially as far as like collecting and stuff like that. I feel like they're kind of like the format that's forgotten about the most, Mm -hmm. but like, I guess I'm kind of lucky that like I lived through, like I grew up through all three. Like I remember having like a Walkman tape player and then getting my first CD player with like the the 45 second anti-skip. So I could like ride my bike around with it in my backpack and still listen to music. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting my first iPod mini in like I think it was like junior high or something like that and I thought that was like the coolest thing ever to be able to have like I don't know at that point it, I think it might have been like a two gigabyte or something like that so I had like 12 albums on it but I thought it was like the coolest thing ever yeah th- those days are crazy I I remember th- there's this guy that I went to high school with and he was the first person that 
I ever I knew that had like an iPod and I was tripping out on it. It was, uh, it was I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, it was the very first one where it actually had like the, the buttons on the face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the wheel itself spun. Yeah. And I was like, this is this is so cool. And and then I remember uh, just like tripping out and just trying to th- I, I remember wondering, like, how could they make this better? Because it was just like such like, a new thing for me at that time. And I was just so fascinated by it. Yeah, now you got Spotify and stuff, and it's just like, it's nuts now. I mean, it's so easy. Yeah, I think it's uh, so convenient for the streaming platforms. And I know that they can be controversial with, like, the way they pay the artists. But um, for someone like me, I I like the the convenience since I don't really collect, uh, like, a a whole lot of music um, in the physical form. So it's really nice to be able to just you know tap on my uh, Spotify app and then be able to have access to every artist. Well, not every artist, but the majority of artists um, out there from every genre. Yeah, it's definitely super convenient. I'm not like a huge record guy or a tape guy or anything like that. So it's definitely nice. And then, you know, obviously there's new stuff that keeps getting added. Like obviously Born to Land Hard just got added to Spotify and stuff. But, you know, there's still a good bit of kind of obscure stuff that might not ever get on spotify but for the most part like 99 percent of the stuff you'd want to listen to is on there yeah and uh it's yeah there are like the older like uh maybe like for, for me there's like older like local bands that you know never really made it past like a like a ep uh, that will probably never make it to spotify or apple music which is fine i'll just have to right. you know just listen to it from my computer or uh put it on my phone or on like a usb drive which because uh, like in my car I, I i can um there's like a like a little space for me to plug in a, a usb stick and uh, you know it, it can read all like you know files from it so just listen right. I, yeah, I cool. listen to music like that which i've done before because I, I had like an album sent to me and it wasn't on like it wasn't out yet and like uh, it wasn't on streaming so i'm like all right cool i'm just gonna put this on a usb stick and just kind of drive around and have this be like my, my main record for now yeah that's sick and like using like you know obviously like dropbox and stuff like that you know it's, you can just pretty much take anything off the internet and just very easily put it on your phone at this point yeah it's a trip because uh you, you got to think i'm um, even like i'm um, uh, in like the early 2000s when like you know blog spots were popping and people were just uploading everybody's shit and uh, everything right. yeah you know you, you just had like multiple blogs to, to go to just to download albums and I, I remember i was like super uh like okay cool like let me try to just download every album that i like um and i'm speaking like uh, in like terms of hardcore it's like let me just try to seek out like all these albums that, that i like and just try to keep them on a hard drive and I, I had like this hard drive for a long time with like a ton of music and it, it crapped out and I, I didn't plan for it to crap out. So I'm like, shit, I didn't have a backup of that hard drive and there's no way I'm going to try to go and seek out like some of that stuff that probably isn't even on the internet anymore. Yeah. That was a cool way to like find bands that you didn't know about too, you know, just going on like those huge blogs and, you know, all like the media fire links and whatever and stuff like that, you know, it was, you scroll through and you just find stuff that you know you never would have found before on those blogs which is sick yeah and i didn't really hear about those blogs too much these days i i, I wonder if there is like a blog out there that i'm not 
familiar with that's uh popping doing cool stuff like in the scene yeah i know people use that soul seek a lot like i got a lot of uh like older like pa stuff Mm. off of that before so i think that's like that's like basically took the spot of the blogs yeah, which is crazy because with the amount of people that are doing uh, zines and uh, or running these, um, like you know, uh, historical Instagrams, I, I you know, I, I'm surprised that there's not somebody out there like doing like a cool like blog for hardcore. Yeah, you would think that someone at this point would have done that, but yeah, I'm surprised too that that, that hasn't popped up yet. Yeah, and, and if there is one and I'm, I'm just not aware uh, send me a link like inform me because i would be i i would love to check something like that out so you have a an instagram called uh, t-town concrete i'm i'm curious uh, uh how that got started i love the name of the instagram yeah so i mean you know ever since like even before I got into hardcore, I've always been really into like clothing and fashion and stuff like that, whatever, like had pretty crazy, like old, like vintage, like polo collection and stuff like that. And, um, you know, back probably over 10 years ago at this point, I started, you know, collecting like older, like hardcore shirts and metal shirts and stuff like that. And then, um, throughout the years, I've like, you know, I sold stuff and traded stuff and, um, kind of dwindled down my inventory. Uh, you know, I moved a few times. So those were situations where I ended up getting rid of stuff. And, um, recently I started getting into like collecting again, just cause, you know, there's a lot of people who are into records and into tapes. It's like, that's kind of how I feel about like shirts basically. And, um, you know, like I just think shirts are cool because, you know, obviously you can wear them and stuff like that you know records you can listen to and i still have some records but i'm not like you know i have some friends who are just like insane with records and it just never really i never really gravitated towards them um so yeah i mean i just am always you know looking for you know stuff older stuff from my favorite bands because you know i kind of realized that that stuff is not going to get printed again and, you know, every year that passes, stuff like that becomes more and more, like, you know, harder to find. And especially now, it's like everyone's looking for, you know, old Cold as Life stuff, old Crutch stuff. And, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, it was pretty easy to get stuff like that, but not so much anymore. And, you know, people are paying top dollar for stuff like that now. But uh, I just thought, you know, starting an Instagram account and kind of just like documenting all the stuff I have was, was a cool idea. And, um, you know, I think I've had some pretty cool stuff and, you know, it's sick to kind of just, you know, acquire things throughout time. And, you know, a lot of times you, you look at like a shirt and, you know, look at flyers from, you know, like the late 90s or whatever and, you know, kind of just visually imagine yourself like at the show like actually buying the shirt at that point in time which is kind of cool and then you know obviously like watching like old videos and stuff like there's times where you know i'll I'll find like a marauder euro tour shirt and then i'll just go on youtube for you know and just go down like a old marauder show wormhole basically yeah i 
when I look at these older shirts, uh, I, and like I see these brands that I'm not familiar with, and I, I have some friends that are like you know super into that culture who know all, like about all like the older like you know uh, brands of like uh, apparel that you know these things were printed on, and I'm just like this is so crazy that I've never heard of this brand before, but like this shirt is like so old, but it somehow managed to like you know be able to have like survived for so long. Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy sometimes finding like, you know, a shirt that may be, you know, over 20 years old, 25 years old at this point, and uh, it being in as good of condition as it is. Like, it's it's kind of mind blowing because like the shirts themselves, like they're Hanes shirts. They're not like top quality T-shirts. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm you know, a couple washes, they can shrink and fade and stuff like that. So it's always cool finding something that old that's in like really good shape. And like, I've found really cool stuff that like thrift stores before, like I found a, like a biohazard, a Euro discipline shirt at a Goodwill before for 99 cents. And it was in like mint condition. So that's always a pretty cool feeling too. And is there like a, a way to, uh kind of verify if it's like a real uh shirt from the band or if it was like a bootleg yeah at this point now i can kind of just like look at a shirt and tell but like the tag will give it away a lot because like even if it's printed on hanes like the the hanes tag itself changed throughout the years so if you look at the style like basically look at the style of the hanes tag you can tell like you can kind of date it that way so the tag is a big a big tell you know, as to the age of a t-shirt. Okay. And are you, are you like collecting to try to get like a grail out there or are you just doing this because um, you just like all this vintage stuff? Yeah, not, yeah. I mean, there's like, there's obviously a couple like specific things that like I really want. Um, but basically when, you know, if I see something cool, that's like reasonably priced or, um, you know, from a band that I like, I'll, I'll try to jump on it. But, you know, at this point now I do a lot more trading than I do buying. Um, cause I kind of have, you know, at this point I kind of feel like I have at least one thing that someone would want, you know? And so, uh, bartering is pretty big now for me opposed to like just outright purchasing things. And the, the stuff that you've posted on your Instagram, that's not your whole collection. No, not all of it. That's all like, that's like probably in my opinion, like the coolest stuff I have. Okay. That's cool. Uh, I, I, I always feel like when you get merch, uh, and like once you wear it, there's like this, uh, like countdown clock until it's like, uh, you know, done. Right. Where it's like, you know, whether it be like too faded cause you like wash it too many times or if it gets ripped or damaged, just, you know, being out in the wild, so uh, at my parents' house, I, I have have, have like a couple of bins uh, of just like random shirts that I've never worn because I'm like, all right, one day in the future when like there's like something really cool going on, I'll finally bust out this T-shirt from like 2014 that I've never worn before. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, you know, feel cool to finally be able to wear this uh, shirt that I thought was cool back in 2014 that I bought. Uh, uh, but at, at this point, there's so many of those shirts that I'm probably never going to wear them. Yeah, I mean, I barely wear any of my stuff. Like, I kind of just get it, look at it, and then, like, I'll, I'll put it in, like, a freezer bag and then uh, just, like, put it in one of my bins or whatever, and it kind of just stays there. Um, a lot of the times, just because, like, I'm a slob, 
so I'm afraid to like spill stuff on them. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just, you know, I, I don't wear most of my stuff. I kind of just stash it away. Yeah. I, I, even like the, the shirts that I feel like I'm okay to wear, like the ones that I have in like rotation, um, I still don't even wear like the majority of those. They just like hang in my closet and I'm just like, do I really want to wear this? Like, and it's like from my perception, I'm like, do I really want to wear this cool, um, like eco strike shirt that, uh, you know, I'm just going to go get coffee. Nobody's going to care or do I want to like preserve that so I can be around people who are actually going to care and appreciate the eco strike t-shirt that I'm going to be wearing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I definitely think, um, you know, like obviously like people will break their cool stuff out for like shows and stuff like that. You know, that makes more sense than breaking it out to like go to Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. And it, it's funny to me, but, and I, but I just have so many shirts and I always tell myself, I'm all right. I have so many shirts that I haven't worn. Like I'm just going to stop buying merch. Like I don't need any new merch, but it's just like bands uh, somehow find clever ways to do cool designs. And I'm just like, I'm still copying that. Like, I don't care. I'll, I'll just have to get more uh, closet space or something. Yeah. If I had a dollar for every time I said, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to chill on, on shirts now. And uh, the next day I am tracking a package or something like that. It happens way more than it does. But like, I'm also, I also am really into like, like Carhartt stuff too, like the WIP stuff. And so it's, it's more than just like hardcore shirts that I'm into. But, um, so like I'll wear that stuff, but most of like the old shirts and stuff, I kind of just put in the bin and let them sit there. And are you on like any like discord server or group chats with other people um, or other collectors and you guys kind of help each other out? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I follow, I have a couple friends that are really into it as well. So uh, we kind of all help each other out and like, we'll trade amongst each other and stuff a lot. But, um, you know, basically the only thing I use is, is the Instagram. So, you know, I have a lot of people that all, you know, hit me up if they, if, if they see something that I have that they're interesting, interested in, or, you know, if I stumble across something um, that I'm interested in, I usually just use the Instagram to, you know, get in contact with them. Okay, for sure. That that's fair because I know, uh, you know, people have like always talked about like random like Facebook groups and stuff. And I'm like, I don't even use Facebook, so I'm not sure like where the place is for these uh, collectors to to meet and uh, you know have these trades go down. But, but that's cool that you or you're actually utilizing the Instagram. Yeah, I find that way more beneficial than like some of some of the merch groups on Facebook are pretty tough to uh through so the instagram it's nice because you can really like dial in by following you know people that you know they're gonna have what you're looking for or stuff that you're interested in you know what i mean yeah you know i totally get get that um want to switch gears real quick uh i i you and i have talked uh you know privately and i've uh, you know found out that you're uh, like a legit mma fan oh yeah which which is awesome. I, I love that because I'm a huge fan of the sport. I'm curious, did you get a chance to watch the UFC 262 pay-per-view last night? Yeah, I was kind of back and forth because I'm also, um, you know, I love UFC and MMA, but I'm like a huge Sixers fan. Mm-hmm. And last night, um, last night the Bucks played the Heat 
And that game had like implications as to who the Sixers would play in the playoffs. So I was kind of bouncing back and forth, but I caught like, you know, all of the Oliveira fight, uh, all the Ferguson fight, uh, missed some of the Bontorin fight. And I watched the Barboza, the Barboza fight. Okay. Yeah. No, the, the, the Barboza fight was fun. Uh, you know, uh, he was fighting Shane Burgos and they're going back and forth and, uh, Barbosa kept landing the, those uh, leg kicks and his shin split open was like bleeding after the first Dude, he round. Literally, he, he literally like almost kicked his leg off of his body. It was insane. Yeah. And it, it was uh, like you know, tripping me out because uh, normally you can't really take too many of those kinds of kicks because you're, you know, obviously it's, your leg's going to only be able to take so much damage for you to be able to still put pressure on it. But uh, Shane Burgos was, uh, you know, just eating him up and showed no signs of like you know any issues with his leg yeah there's some i mean there's sometimes where you know someone is just like landing leg kick after leg kick and it, at the end of the fight it just looks like it hurt the person landing the leg kicks more than the person getting kicked and it seemed like that was kind of like one of those things like you know you look at all the kicks that burgos took and then you look at barboza's leg and, you know, Burgos seems pretty unaffected by him for the most part. You know, I feel like if I was a fighter, I would get to the point where like, oh, this is kind of hurting me more than it's hurting him. And maybe try to like switch the game plan up a little bit. Yeah. And also I'd be scared as hell to throw a leg kick after seeing, uh, you know, what happened to Chris Weidman more recently. Yeah. I mean, the last pay-per-view, you know, you had the, the nerve problem and then you had Weidman. You know, I'd look down at I'd look down at my shin and see blood running down my leg, and I'd probably be like, you know what, I'm probably gonna chill on this for a little bit. Yeah, and the the, the knockout situation uh, with Burgos was so strange because I honestly thought like I hope he didn't just kill this man because it was such a delayed reaction. Right, he he hit him uh, with that uh, left and then the right, and then. Burgos is like kind of like started to stumble and you're like oh shit is this like a delayed reaction and like uh, you know and he was out you know obviously but like when he hit the ground he didn't need to take those extra punches but I was just like thinking to myself like I hope he's not dead because like it was just so strange that I never see anything like that you don't see stuff like because usually when someone gets knocked out it's it's instant like they're they're done but I mean it, there was probably I don't know I mean it felt like an eternity but it probably was at least you know two three seconds where he was still up and like cognitive and then out of nowhere he just you know fell back and yeah that's it's weird when you see stuff like that and obviously you think like worst case scenario you know especially with something where you're not used to seeing stuff like that yeah and and thankfully uh he was fine uh obviously he, he got back up and i seemed in pretty good spirits so but that was a wild fight yeah yeah i like barboza a lot you know, I had uh, some questions uh, about him going down to featherweight because uh, sometimes I think most of the times when fighters like move down in weight to kind of try to like refresh their career, it doesn't really go over that well. Uh, and yeah. and obviously uh, Barbosa's had um, one decision loss in featherweight. And I was just like, just really curious to see how he was going to perform. And uh, he uh, surprised me and uh, performed really good. And I I'm excited to see him down there at, at featherweight because there's uh, so many more uh you know fresh matchups for him now especially since he uh you know is on a like i think a two fight winning streak now yeah but uh, one thing that just really broke my heart was just seeing tony ferguson i i i just wish i knew like what 
changed in his life or in his like camp that I, where it seems like he just can't perform, you know, it, it, like it's, it's insane. It's such a bummer. It's such a bummer. And it's like, and every fight I have, like going into it, I'm like, all right, like this is the one where he's gonna go back to being Tony. And it just like, hasn't happened yet. And like, you know, I know his camps are unlike a lot of other fighters camps and stuff like that. So I don't know if maybe he has to like, change his preparation or what because it hasn't looked good recently and it's it's upsetting because he's the man i love him yeah i'm i'm a huge fan of tony and especially since he uh, trains down here in orange county and I, i've had the pleasure of running into him just you know out in the wild and uh, you know super nice guy so I, i'm always rooting for him but it's like uh you know, he, he's had these uh, you know tough losses three in a row and it's like you, you saw how he, he was on that crazy win streak. You know, everybody wanted to see him versus Khabib. And then, you know, yep. he, now he, he takes, you know, one, two, three losses. And granted, uh, uh, you know, congrats to Benil Dariush, uh, ranked number nine. Uh, but when I look at the rest of the, the division, like, you know, uh, top five, I don't think uh, Benil uh, can hold a candle to any of those guys. No, so, no. so it's just like kind of just like you know, just mind boggling. Like, holy shit, has Tony really fallen this far where he is getting like dominated? Right? Like, uh, Darius was just on him like the whole fight. Tony didn't show like any real threat to Darius that whole time, and I was just just so confused and just so bummed because just like how how did he fell so fast? Right? And normally yeah, and the, he was just go ahead. He was just like getting just manhandled on the ground like the whole entire it, it was it was bad it's it was it was a bummer yeah and just to see and like yeah like and thinking about like just how he's fallen so far and so fast i don't think i, I can't remember any fighter kind of having that kind of situation because normally it's just it's gradual right it'll, it'll be like a like a win loss win loss and then you know you're like oh shit it's been like this for a couple of years maybe it is time but with tony it's just like you know back to back and uh, you know, he got whooped. These are all like uh, pretty bad losses because, you know, he got uh, pieced up by Gaethje and then Oliveira like pretty much broke his arm. And then yeah. now Darius, you know, he got him with that, that crazy heel hook and like messed up his leg. And it's just like, it's just like, I, I don't know. I, and I, I don't want to like call for his retirement because like, maybe it's that, that it's too soon for him but he is an older guy because they're saying on the broadcast last night that he's like 37 yeah i think you know and to your point like you know sometimes you see fighters like gradually you know like kind of decline and you can kind of mentally like prepare yourself for their you know for it basically because it happens slow but when, you know, a situation like Ferguson where, you know, you just kind of fall off a cliff, it's like, you know, kind of just shocks everyone. And it's it's a lot harder to, you know, process because it happens so fast. Yeah, so it's, it's such a bummer. But I, yeah, I, I don't want to see him fight again just to go out and have that kind of performance. Cause, and especially if he's having these back-to-back situations where um, he's getting, like, really hurt. Because uh, when you, they went to round two, you could clearly see that his leg was compromised. He wasn't he wasn't yeah. moving the same. So it's just like, uh, yeah, I'm I get, I'm still a fan of Tony Ferguson, but I would just like to see him just stop. 
because it, it, it just seems and, and he has like you know he, he was started you know, going uh training his boxing with freddie roach ben saunders what was in his corner and it's just like yeah you, you have all these great coaches but it just doesn't seem like it's working so i i, I just don't want to see him get beat up like this anymore yeah you know it's sometimes it's you know you can have the best coaches best camps best training but like it's hard to beat father time you know and with how much he's, you know, battled and stuff like that in his career, it's like maybe it's just kind of the end of the road as much as it sucks to say. Yeah, I, 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 would, I, would, I would definitely I would definitely rather see him kind of just hang it up instead of just like continuously like bumming me out by it's losing badly. Yeah, I, I always uh, reference BJ Penn. I I, I want to remember Tony on his legendary win streak and like uh, you know having these back to back, you know wins over like you know Pettis, uh, Donald Taroni by Doctor Stoppage, these uh, you know crazy fights. But like I, I, yeah, like I just don't want him to end up like BJ Penn where he sticks around too long and we forget about his glory days and we just remember the 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 end where he stuck around for too long where he's getting you know. Uh, you know, 360 switch kick by like Yair Rodriguez and right. just, you know, getting knocked out at random bars out in public by civilians. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want that for Tony Ferguson. I, I, I don't want that for any fighter. I, I just want, um, and, and I know it's uh, probably so hard for them, but it's just like, I'd rather see them go a little early versus like, you know, too late. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about all athletes in every sport. Like I'd much rather, you know, but I understand like, their mindset like because i feel like you know you lose one fight okay well you know you brush it off and you lose two fights and you're like all right you know and then before you know it, you lost four in a row and it's like you know kind of like holy shit i just you know it happens i feel like you don't realize it's happening until you know later on you know what i mean yeah it's just like all right let me just get that one more and then we'll call right. it you know but it's just like yeah, that, that one more turns into your three you know three fight losing streak and nobody right, exactly. nobody really uh like wants to see fight again it, it, it definitely sucks but dude i was <laughs> i was so stoked to see chandler win that belt um going against Oliveira, and i was uh pretty curious to see what kind of strategy he was going to implement and uh, he really surprised me with his jujitsu skills because uh, when Oliver got his back and he was able to defend and get back up within the round, that that got me stoked. I'm like, all right, cool. If he can defend this early in the fight when they're not super sweaty and they're dry and Oliver is way more dangerous at this point on the ground, like I think he'll be fine at the, in the later rounds. Um, but then obviously the fight ended in the second round, like really fast. Like, like it, it, it just seemed like it was a, the, like the craziest 180, right? Because um, yeah, uh, the, the the first round it, it, it seemed like Chandler was uh, you know winning that round, and I, I felt pretty confident for him going into the second. And then Oliver just came out and was just like super accurate with his strikes and uh, just put Chandler away. And I was. I was so surprised. It, it was just like, it, like it happened so fast. I was like, what the hell? Like, I thought we were going to be in for like a long, like, you know, crazy fight, uh, you know, back and forth, but nope. Oliver just went in there and was like, no, like I'm going to end this right now. And it was crazy. Dude. The craziest thing is, you know, the Olivera takedown happened early in the round too. So like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like Chandler, you know, had to defend, for 45 seconds or 30 seconds like he spent most of the round 
defending, you know, on the ground against Oliveira. And after that happened, I was like, all right, you know, maybe, you know, obviously you knew what Oliveira was going to try to do. And, uh, you know, Chandler, I felt good about Chandler after the first round, but then uh, it ended, it ended pretty quickly. Yeah, it was, it was insane. But, uh, you know, uh, congrats to Oliveira. It was cool to see uh, a, a new face as the lightweight champion because obviously uh, Khabib had been there for a minute, which was fine. I, I liked him as a champ, but uh, he decided to retire. So I, I was ready to kind of keep it moving because I, I hated that the belt was just kind of in limbo because they were waiting to see if Poirier was going to try to take the title, uh, title fight next or if he wanted to do the McGregor trilogy. So I'm, I'm right. happy that they finally figured it out, and now we can kind of take steps to kind of keep the the division moving. Because now uh, they they have Poirier McGregor three happening, and then Justin Gaethje's out there waiting in the wings, and there's uh, you know some guys like Gregor Gillespie who's like you know making their way to the top. So I'm I'm stoked on this division again. Yeah, yeah, Gre- Gregor Gregor's my boy. He's a, a really big fisherman and stuff like that, and we've fished um, like a charity event together before and stuff like that so i always pull for him i like him a lot he's the man yeah uh that's awesome uh how'd you get into fishing um i pretty much grew up like my grandparents had a house on the delaware river uh which is like a river that runs pretty much like through all of pennsylvania and ends in philadelphia Mm -hmm. so i was exposed to that at like a super young age and um i grew up like playing sports my whole entire life. Like I played baseball my whole life and football my whole life. And then uh, it was kind of cool, like being able now to like combine like the competitive aspect of sports with fishing, something that I've done my whole entire life. So um, I started competitive fishing about five years ago and uh, still doing that now. So that's, um, you know, it's pretty cool to be able to, take something that I did my whole entire life and then compete at it. Yeah. That's awesome. I, 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 I'm, I am curious, uh, do you uh, keep the fish or do you actually, um, like, you know, uh, utilize them and like make food out of them? No, no. The, uh, like the league that I fish in is like huge on conservation and like keeping the fish safe and stuff like that. Like I, I never, never keep them. I can't remember the last time I've, you know, caught a fish and kept it. It's usually it's catch and release, like a hundred percent of the time. Okay, and are 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 there like special hooks to like not like uh, you know kill the fish when when you're like out there trying to capture them? Yeah, so basically in the boat there's this thing called a live well, and it's like a tank that fills up with water, and you have like oxygen pumps that circulate oxygen in the water, and like you put the fish in there after you catch them, and it keeps them you know alive and healthy and calm. And then uh, at like the end of a tournament or whatever, you weigh the fish and then you release them back into the lake or river or wherever you're fishing. Oh, that's awesome. That's uh, I, I'm not familiar with the, um, you know, the, the sport of um, competitive fishing. So just hearing about it, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't like, you know, really understand like the, the tournament aspect of fishing. Like everyone understands fishing. But uh, it's a totally different ball game, like competing and stuff like that. But you know, it's it's cool. There's a there's a lot of people, more people than you'd probably think, it, like that are into hardcore that are also like very into fishing, which is kind of cool. You know, being able to connect with people on on both of those things because they're obviously on two totally ends of the 
different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. It's cool to, uh, you know, to kind of navigate through our subculture, but then find like, you know, um, common ground, like in other places with these people. Right. So uh, yeah, Absolutely. yeah, I, I, I totally get what you mean. And, and I, I, I love that when I play certain games, like, um, like any, like, um, MMO, like Final Fantasy 14 or Animal Crossing, I, I, I always find that fishing is like my favorite, like, like mini, like mini game, quote unquote. So, uh, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's always, uh, interesting, uh, you know, and I, I don't know why, like I've always like gravitated towards it, but I, I do remember growing up, like watching, um, like, uh, like there used to be, I, I forget what channels on, but they would show like Bass Pro and just people going out and just like, you know, catching fish. Yeah. It's on, it's on ESPN. Like it's, it's pretty, you know, it's, they have a TV the league that I fish now has a TV deal with like Fox. So it's on Fox sports one a lot and stuff. So it's, um, you know, it's big. And especially during the pandemic, a lot of people, that's like one, um, area that didn't suffer that actually like benefited from the whole pandemic was fishing because, you know, throughout most of the pandemic, that's like literally one of the only things that you could do is, you know, just drive to a pond or something like that and, and fish. Okay, well, that's awesome. I, I'm glad that you still had that outlet to be able to do that because I know a, a lot of people uh, weren't able to do a, a lot of the things that they um, used to uh, before the pandemic. But I'm I'm stoked we're at the point where uh, we're seeing like the light at the end of the tunnel for the pandemic. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what it's like out there in um, your area, but I, I know out here like. Uh, June 15th is like a, a big date for us because they're going to start um, lifting some of these like major restrictions out here and things are slowly going to start to um, you know actually fully open back up yeah June 11th for us is the date um, but basically now it's like a lot of stores around here are like lifting the mask mandate okay. already you know so like uh, I know like Walmart I think as long as you're vaccinated, they don't require you to wear one. And I think Trader Joe's is another one. Um, so it seems like things are trending in the right direction as far as that goes. And, you know, hopefully we can get some shows going soon and, you know, everyone safe at them. And it seems like we're getting there finally. And with uh, Walmart and Trader Joe's in your area, are they doing like any kind of uh, verification or are they just kind of leaving it up to the, the person to decide? See, that's the thing. I, they're leaving on up to, so you're going to have people who aren't vaccinated, who just aren't going to wear masks. And, you know, I think they know, I think everyone knows that that's going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. it sucks. But, you know, it is what it is, I guess. You know, you can't really like, you know, I don't think they're going to check vaccination cards at the door or anything like that. So. Okay. Yeah. I I'm I'm looking forward to the day where I don't have to like or like when I'm doing like my pocket check before I leave where I make sure I have like my wallet, my phone, my keys and and my mask. Wallet, yep. uh -huh. keys, phone, mask. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to where I could uh, drop the mask, which is, uh, you know, uh, an accessory that I didn't know that I was going to have, uh, you know, for over a year, um, which is which is fine. Like I was willing to do my part to, you know, help beat this thing. But, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I'm definitely looking forward to to just uh, getting rid of that. Um, just curious, uh, if, if you can speak, um, uh, does the date July 10th mean anything to you? Yeah. 
Okay, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that for for people who know. Um, cool, but all right, interesting. Um, but I, I guess we can uh, dive uh, deeper into the uh, you know more uh, gridiron talk. Obviously, we, we you mentioned how uh, the band came together, but I'm curious about um, your uh, working relationship with uh, Streets of Hate and uh, Triple B. I, I'm curious how um, those things came together. Yeah, I, it was you know I think it was one of those things. Um, you know when we recorded the four songs, we sent them to Alex, and Alex was super into them and wanted to do a tape. So uh, we did the tape like right away, and then um, after that, you know, Will had a previous relationship with with Sam, obviously because of Never Ending Game. So um, it was one of those things that you know we hit Sam up and asked if he'd be interested in doing something with it and he said yeah for sure and then that's how the uh record came out with him and we are going to chicago in august to record an lp which will be out on triple b records as well oh wow okay that's awesome news because um i uh, I, I can't remember if I saw you tweeting about it, or not tweeting about it or po- posting about it on Instagram, but I, I knew there was some sort of record in the works. But uh, knowing that it's going to be out on Triple B, I, I think that's pretty cool to see that working yeah. relationship continue. Yeah, I'm psyched. It should be cool. I've never, you know, recorded an LP or anything like that, so I'm, I'm really excited to to get this one done. And uh, any particular reason why you guys are going to Chicago to record? Um. Well, obviously, you know, heard really good things about Bricktop and stuff like that. And Neverending Game recorded their LP there with him, with Andy. Um, so it was kind of one of those things, you know, I've never been to Chicago. I've always wanted to go to Chicago. Uh, so it was kind of like a two birds with one stone kind of thing. Get to go visit the city and, you know, record at, uh, you know, a really good studio. Okay. Oh, that that's awesome. Uh, I've also have never been to Chicago. Uh, I I would like to get out there at some point, but I, I I think they have a cool scene. There's a lot of great bands from out there. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. The food's good, and I've always wanted to go to Wrigley Field, and the Cubs are playing the White Sox that weekend. So it's like a Chicago versus Chicago series mm-hmm. at Wrigley. So we're gonna try to get get to one of the games that weekend, which will be sick. Hell yeah. And uh, on most of the tracks on the uh, the is, is it fair to call it an EP? Yeah. Uh, feature, uh, you know, some some awesome uh, you know guests. Uh, but th- there was just one track that I um, didn't. Uh, was there a, a thought to maybe have uh, you know uh, features on all the rec- or on all the tracks? No, no. I think it was just you know there i feel like there's a fine fine line between going overboard with that kind of stuff and not so you know we we have three of the four songs on the ep you know have other people on them we wanted to make sure to have at least one song um you know with with no one on it and um our the split that's coming out um actually pre-orders are up this upcoming thursday um and that record is we're doing a split with uh, Despise from Scotland, and they're another super sick band, and that's coming out on From Within. Um, we have one one track on that with someone on it, and then the other track doesn't have anyone on it. Okay, well, 
you you mentioned the split that that's something that I'm like really interested in. That's like a big reason why I wanted to have you on because when I uh, you know uh, heard the news that you guys are doing a split with Despise, I was like, okay, this is this is awesome. This is something that I didn't know that I needed. So I'm just seeing that uh, you know th- these two bands from like you know different parts of the world being able to come together to uh, you know work on an awesome split. I'm like, cool. I uh, just love that idea. Just uh, you know keeping like the the spirit of hardcore alive. And especially, you know, like you guys call it, you know, the worldwide brotherhood. I, I, I just love that idea. Can, can you talk about from your perspective um, how the split came together? Um, yeah, actually, we initially didn't plan on, you know, doing a split. We were just going to do the EP and then an LP. And then, um, you know, the spies hit us up. And it was one of those things like we all love, love the spies. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we wrote two songs for it. And, uh, you know, Carter is putting it out on From Within, which I think is one of the coolest hardcore labels right now. Like, Carter does a great job. He definitely has his ear to the beat of hardcore and, like, genuinely gives a shit about stuff, which is awesome. So I'm really psyched to have it come out on From Within. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, what Carter's doing. Uh, you know, um, recently uh, they celebrated their uh, two year anniversary, and I, I'm just thinking about it. Like, damn, uh, it doesn't feel like it's been two two years. I feel like it's been longer than two years. Just um, you know, for like their like you know um their activity and just like the kind of impact that they've had. I'm just like, damn, I, I can't believe it's only been like in, uh, you know two years. Sounds like a, a, a like a short time, but it feels like they've been around forever. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, you know, all the stuff he does, like, you know, obviously, like, Warren is an awesome band, like, the One Team Unity comps, like, they're awesome, you know, comps, there, I feel like there hasn't been, you know, there, there's been the Triple B comps, and then, you know, that I feel like that's kind of been it for the most part recently, but, um, you know, Carter doing one as well, and the first one was awesome, and the second one, I'm sure, is going to be just as good. Yeah, I, I think just to try to get everyone interested to 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 listen to a comp can be challenging, just because uh, everyone's taste varies so much, right? So if you put a comp together, it's, um, uh, it's like, all right, how are you gonna um, make it attractive, and like, how can you um, you know get these bands all together to you know put out uh, you know a, like a cohesive uh, uh, album of great tracks because um, people uh, you know who may not be a fan of a certain type of hardcore or might find um, you know a certain style uh, boring uh, you know it, like how can you kind of navigate and try to f- keep everyone entertained and uh, I, I think that's really challenging and I, I think with uh, the uh, once in unity comp volume one I, I think they just hit the uh, you know nail on the head like w- when i first listened to it front to back i was just like wow there wasn't like one point where i wanted to skip a track or i thought any of the bands were boring on there i, I think they just uh, you know just created magic like everyone yep i think listen wait oh matt you're you're breaking up i'm sorry I, the I think the coolest thing about the comp is that there's something for everyone on it, and there's a lot of bands that like maybe I would kind of like overlook that I listen to on the comp, and I'm you know holy shit this is awesome, and like I found myself you know being into more bands you know because of that comp. Yeah, I I feel like that's um, a, a real important thing, and I feel like that's you know part of the comp's job is to introduce people 
to bands that they you know might not have been familiar with or bands that they thought that they didn't like so the fact that you're saying that i'm just like that's awesome yeah yeah i think yeah he did he did a great job with, with the comp and i'm really psyched for for volume two yeah volume two i uh yeah we're we're just a couple of months away it comes out uh, july 24th so go yep go follow from within and uh go pre-order copy when those things go live um but uh yeah i'm i'm just so stoked on that i uh i'm stoked on, on the split coming out uh this week uh and i i feel like it was one of those things where it uh, kind of had a quick turnaround. Like there was the announcement, and then we didn't have to wait too long uh, for the actual, you know, uh, record to, to be put up and for um, pre-orders to go up. Was this like something you guys been sitting on for a minute, or did it just, uh, you know, just all come together really quick? Yeah, the the idea. I mean, the the idea has been kind of alive for a while. I think we recorded our two songs. I want to say February. Maybe oh. even earlier than that. We recorded them in the winter. So, but like with the record plants being, you know, so far behind, um, we kind of had to sit on it for a little while before, you know, we could announce anything or whatever. But, you know, the ball's finally rolling, which is cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always uh, uh, curious about the record plan. You know, I, I hear it so often, you know, the record plan's backed up. Uh, why can't they build one like closer or like one in the States. Yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I know the um, the first plant that Carter tried to get to press the split, I think they said October. We wouldn't, he wouldn't have them until October. Oh, so wow. yeah, so luckily um, he found another one that could get them done a lot faster. So. Yeah, but yeah, that particular one was like almost six months behind. Yeah, and, and at that point, it's like uh, you know things move so fast, and then you also don't want to uh, uh, put up pre-orders and then have people wait that long for their pre-order because right. you, you know how like people get like, yo, like I ordered my record five minutes ago, like where's my tracking, where's my record, or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think people will have the split in their hands by the by the end of summer for sure okay if all things go as planned yeah that's that's awesome uh quick turnaround i i, I do like the the different uh, colorways that uh you guys chose I'm, i i do like that there's not the traditional black uh and i'm not like anti uh, you know black vinyl but i just think it's uh, kind of special when, when i look at the the different variants that it, they're all just special colors yeah, I think it's cool to just kind of make records to match the cover. I think that's that's sick. Okay. And uh, are, are you familiar with the guy who created the cover art? Yeah, Dennis. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not too familiar with him. Uh, can you talk about uh, how uh, Dennis became the person to design the cover art? Yeah, well, Dennis, you know, is in NeverEnding Game, so him and Will ha are, are pretty close. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just does a lot of, like, really, really sick art for bands. So it was kind of a no-brainer to uh, ask him to do the art for the split. I really like how he incorporated the the Gridiron and the Despise, like, band's logos behind the, the normal text. Yeah, 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 I, I think... 
it came out awesome. Yeah, he did a great job with it. Yeah, I'm like w- w- when I saw it, I was like, okay, this just seems like right. Uh, you know, I was analyzing it and just looking over the the cover art, and I was like, yeah, this this looks super sick, and like you know, you know, I, I feel like it's very fitting. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and that's you know that's one thing for sure. We you know wanted to make sure it fit the band and the music and stuff like that. And I definitely think he did a good job, uh, you know, getting that done. Yeah, and I'm just stoked. Yeah, like I said, like this is something that I didn't know that I needed, and uh, I'm a huge fan of it. Despise uh, had uh, been on the podcast before. He, he's a great dude. So I, I feel fully support what they're doing um, out in their part of the world. So yeah, I'm just stoked to see see this relationship happen. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. And I'm glad that we got to do something with them because yeah, Ben Ben's the man. They're all they're all sick and um, the band is awesome. So. Hmm. so uh, going back to Gridiron, you you uh, mentioned the, the LP. Uh, I, I I always hear from bands that they're kind of. Uh, you know, weary about doing an LP just because it's a lot of material. Uh, some bands like to stick just to doing a, a couple of EPs, just, you know, um, kind of just going straight bangers, no fillers, uh, which is uh, weird to think that bands would write fillers. Obviously, probably not by choice. Um, right. But, but did you guys um, want to do an LP from the jump uh, after the EP or were there talks of maybe kind of easing into it? No, the plan was, the plan was always, you know, EPLP. Um, the split was something that, you know, we initially didn't, um, expect to do, but obviously, you know, wanted to do when given the opportunity. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we have, we have time, you know, to make sure, you know, we write the best material we can, stuff like that. So it's not going to be rushed or anything like that. And, you know, um, Will is flying out next month for a few days so we're gonna all be able to like get together in person and write some stuff which i think will be super beneficial and are you guys uh, still playing call of duty together oh yeah yeah that that uh i think that addiction is here to stay for the foreseeable future and uh, do you uh play on uh, a pc yeah yeah i play on pc oh okay and uh do you know like what kind of parts you have or are you like that deep into it or did you just uh kind of no like the only reason i play on a pc is uh my girlfriend's brother is uh really into like pc gaming and he got a new uh a new computer for christmas so i just got his old one so that's why i play on pc i mean it's i don't think it's like the newest of new uh i know like all the new stuff is like super hard to get now, like almost impossible, like the graphics cards and stuff like that. So, but it gets the job done. It preserves my, uh, my 0.5 KD pretty nicely. So. <laughs> okay. that That's fair. Um, I, yeah, trust me. I, I've always sucked at call of duty as, as much as I've, I wanted to get good at it. I just kind of um, had to accept like, yo, I'm never going to be good at this game. And yeah, yeah, but it's still fun. Like I, uh, you know, I, I still play here and there with friends, but um, I play a lot of games by myself. Like I, I just picked up that uh, Resident Evil Village, so that's like like the main thing I'm playing right now. Yeah, that game looks sick. Yeah, my girlfriend's really into like the Resident Evil stuff, and that's not really my thing. I mean, the re- real reason that you play Warzone is to like. I don't play to like be good at the game. I just kind of play to like you know, it's like you're hanging out with your boys. Mm-hmm. in a time where you couldn't really go hang out with your boys. So 
I'm and I I know my role. I'm I'm a glue guy. I'm not going to put up the stats, but I'll uh, I'll keep the team together. You know, for sure. No, that that's very important to to know your role, um, because it, it, it's very important. Um, did, did you ever play with uh, Jake? Yeah, yeah, I play with Jake a lot. I actually played with him yesterday. I think. Okay. Yeah. Him and I were messaging a, a couple months back because he, I mean, he got, uh, uh, I think he got a 30, uh, uh, RTX 3070, and I was just tripping out because uh, those, uh, you know, yeah, th- those things are so hard to come by these days. And uh, I'm like, I, I refuse to pay over retail for it. So I, I was uh, talking to him about how he got his, and I was just like super jealous. And, and he, he gave me some pointers on um, how to, uh, you know, on how he got his. And I've tried, and it's like, yeah, to this day, like, I still haven't gotten one. And, I'm just yeah. I think he straight up just went into Best Buy and, and got one. I think it was extremely painless for him. I was at a I was at Micro Center yesterday, uh-huh. and all the Nvidia cases were just bone dry. Nothing. There's nothing in the store. Yeah, it's crazy. And I I'm over here like you know on like StockX like looking at like the resale price for computer parts, and I'm just like, wow. I never thought I'd come to StockX for this because normally I'm like looking at like sneakers or like random like Supreme stuff. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. And there's like rumors that uh, I think it, uh, on the 26th that they're going to announce like a, a 3050 and that they're going to um, have like a replenish of stock, which um, they're going to, which is supposed to help ease like, you know, th- uh, this whole like shortage situation. But I, I think it's just going to stay just as bad because people are. Um, you know, buying it up to, you know, mine like Bitcoin and shit. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as soon as they all, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They're all going to sell out and, you know, people are buying them, buying them, you know, for crypto and people are buying them to flip them. And yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's any time soon where you're going to just be able to go into a store and just grab one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's such like a, a, a strange thing because I have like a, a, a computer that I like, you know, put together. Um, from parts that I bought from the internet, um, and you know, it, it, I I have a like uh, like I, I recently upgraded everything in my computer except for my graphics card because I I can't get a hold of a new one. Um, like right now, I have a RTX twenty seventy, which isn't that bad, but I definitely want a, a newer one. Uh, but like yeah, a couple of years ago, you could, yeah, it's, it wasn't an issue. I could just go to the local. Um, there's a micro center out here as well, so I was like, I could drive to micro center. They had everything in stock. I could go to Newegg and everything was fine, but it's just like, yeah, this whole craze, uh, you know, just kind of set off this, um, you know, weird like chain of events. And it somehow it led to these like shortage of graphics cards, which I never thought would be a thing. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, I think I think that's what I think I have a 2072. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I have a gaming laptop. Shout out to my buddy, Zach. Um, I, I have a gaming laptop that has a 3070 in it, but it's it's not really the same. But uh, yeah, yeah, but but it's okay. Um, I'll I'll get there eventually. Like I'm I'm just gonna be patient because it, it's not something that I need. It's something that I want. That's what I always tell myself right. when I, when I'm like exactly. you know uh, doing my research. Like where the like you know where the hell can I buy one of these? Because uh, I I I've been tempted. I was like I was like maybe if I can just find one for like a thousand dollars, it could be like okay. But I'm just like no, I, I gotta stick to my guns. I gotta just not give in and uh, you know uh, be a victim of this uh, you know resale shit. You'll event, you'll get your time eventually. It's just a, it's just a painful waiting game. Yeah, yeah, that, and yeah, and, and I can't wait. It'll, it'll happen eventually. I, yeah, I, I, I just gotta continue to, to, to be patient, um, and then it'll, 
it'll, it'll happen one way or another. Or I might just have to wait till the next generation of graphics cards. Who knows? We'll figure it out. Right. Okay. Um. Uh. Did you have a chance to uh, see any of those crazy videos from uh, the show that happened out in L.A.? Yeah, dude. What was your uh, oh, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. On like you know, because uh, it got posted by so many people, which that was cool. Uh, but I didn't think that many people would be into it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm at at the point now where you know people do whatever they want to do. You know, I mean, the show looked like it obviously looked like a crazy time. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you know, I'm not. I'm not upset at anyone for going, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. And, you know, if there was a show next weekend, I would probably go. So, you know, it's each their own. And, you know, I definitely looked like a fun time. So. Yeah. It, it always, um, like when, when I think back to that night, it, it just blows my mind. It like just the vibe that I, I got from everybody when I was there, just, uh, it just seemed like everybody was just so happy and just so like focused on having fun that night. Right. Like obviously um, everybody there like is aware of like, you know, the, the issue, but um, right, absolutely. Yeah. But we all felt safe enough to go out and uh, you know, uh, go to this uh, show slash party thing. It was, it, it was wild. Yeah. I, I had FOMO for sure. You know, um, just it, it seemed like everyone like that was the place like as soon as you walked in there like the weight was lifted off people's shoulders you know what i mean yeah th- th- there's a point where i was uh like um we like you know like you go down this like set of stairs and then you have to like you know kind of go under this like chain um, and then like you're um under the the bridge that you were just walking on and there's like no lights and it's just dark and you just you see a bunch of people shuffling you know uh you know like there's like it's like two like one-way lanes right people like, coming in people leaving and then there's like fires left and right and it, it it felt like i was like in some sort of like weird like movie situation i'm like this is not something that i normally experience but like thunderdome or something like that yeah but but it just felt so like it was so like diy but like organized at the same time because like you know people were, were still like even though it was crazy like people were still being respectful of just like you know creating a like a, a two-way uh walkway so people could get in and out as they like please and like and then like once you got in there like there was just people everywhere and like like and personally for me like i, I never felt like um, it was like uh, like dangerous, like like pe- like nobody was gonna like you know mug me or beat me up or uh, do anything crazy. Like I said, it, it just felt like everybody was there just to have like a good time. Everyone was there for the same reason, yeah, yeah. And you could you could tell, you know what I mean? I, it it just that the vibe looked very very on point. Yeah. So I'm, and like I and I I've said it before. Like we're I I I feel like we're at this point now where like uh, shows are back even though this isn't the way that we had planned it. Cause in, in my eyes, I, I had imagined that there would be like, okay, like here's like the, you know, shows are back. So we're going to do a show this day with this awesome lineup. Everybody come out and let's have a good time and welcome shows being back. Um, but, right. it's, but it's just like, no, that's not how it happened. It's like, I, I, I feel like, you know, the, the Madball show happened, um, which kind of like, you know, started this whole thing. 
and then the LA show happened and then, you know, and then things started getting better in the world where, you know, mandates are getting lifted, numbers are so low, and then tours are getting announced left and right. Local venues are right. here or selling tickets to shows in the fall. So I'm just like, okay, yeah, like things are, uh, you know, back, maybe not in full swing, but there's big movement going on. Yeah. And dude, it's, it's one of those things, whoever, whatever the first show was, people were going to be unhappy about it. Like it didn't matter who it was, where it was, when it was that like whoever did the first show was going to be the show that got heat. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. The, the, uh, somebody, uh, somebody was going to have to do it. And um, knowing that there was going to be, uh, you know, negativity um, coming their way, but it's like, like somebody had to do it. The, 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 it wasn't going to be something that was just going to be okay. No more shows. Sorry. Like hard tours is just going to be um live streams and um, you know, uh, buying records. It's just like, no, somebody, right. somebody had to step up and be like, all right, like cool. Like we're going to do it at a point where uh, it's um, okay to do it. And um, even though they were met with a lot, a lot of negativity and controversy, uh, it happened and um, here we are and things are happening and, and there's no stopping it at this point so it's just like people right. have to um accept that they're back even though they don't want to go which is totally fine like i i don't think less of anybody who doesn't want to go to a show at this point um and they, they yeah, still feel uncomfortable sure. yeah if people want to you know if people want to go that's their prerogative if people don't want to go that's their prerogative you know it's to each their own for sure yeah 100 percent well damn matt this has been awesome yeah man it's been a great time yeah no and, again for having me on no i i i definitely appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast because um you know obviously i've uh, uh, uh hit you up a lot in, in the dms about gridiron so i'm uh, you know uh, stoked that you were finally down to do the podcast and that we we're able to make it happen on the lead up to the split coming out with despise Yeah, man, it's going to hopefully, you know, people are into it this upcoming Thursday. Pre-orders will be up. Uh, definitely excited to get it out there finally. And uh, make sure you check out From Within Records for sure. Hell yeah. Well, seriously, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll be back soon.